This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And today we are taking a look at Overlord, directed by Julius Avery and produced by Bad Robot Productions and J.J. Abrams. Holy crap, man. This movie <laughs> is so good. It's so good that it's not a Cloverfield movie. It's so good that it's not a Cloverfield okay, movie. Okay, so, so happy. this this movie did not do well this weekend. Uh, it was a $38 million budget, and it opened to about $10 million. It's very disappointing because this movie is very, 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 very good. At least in my opinion, I will say this is the best Wolfenstein movie that we have never gotten. You know I'd, what I mean? I'd say this is the best Wolfenstein meets uh, Reanimator that we did get. Uh, you know what? Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. It's well. I mean, Wolfenstein was pretty much bringing the dead back to life and using uh, them in that. Now, if you were to call this a Wolfenstein movie, I would, I would probably not think it was that great. And I think a lot of people would feel the same way. But because this is something else, it, it just feels. There's a lot about this movie that I'm very excited to talk about. Oh man! But first off, yes, let's talk about how this is not a Cloverfield movie. I mean, um, well, I think I think it's the first sort of thing because we see from produced produced by J.J. Abrams. I'm like, okay, great. So, like, I think Cloverfield is probably the bane of my cinematic existence whenever I see J.J. Abrams attached to a project because immediately the internet, for no reason, decides to like want to hype up the well. What if it's a Cloverfield movie? What if it has the like? What if I'm like this mystery means nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like, fan theory-wise, it was kind of cool for a while to see what people could come up with and, and go with it, but now I'm thinking the fan theories are better than what's actually happening with Cloverfield. Um, but originally, the idea was people straight up said, for a while, Overlord was a Cloverfield film. It took place in that universe. Now, this was going on before Cloverfield Paradox came out, which was the night of the Super Bowl. So that was like the end of January, right? So... It wasn't until, I think, April, or of, of yeah, so a few months later in April, when J.J. Abrams finally said, no, this is not a Cloverfield film, but no one's going to believe him because he lies about everything with his films. He's like, no, it's not this, but it turns out to be, or it's, yeah, something completely different, but, you know. Um, he, he, this was one of those films that I was just waiting for there to be something that was Cloverfield in it. And there is not, and and I'm very very happy by that. Honestly, then I think that's the only thing. That's the only amount of time that we need to dedicate to the absurdity of Cloverfield in that universe. Because let's talk about how great this movie is. I I really, um, I I think from the jump, like this, like the trailer got me. I'm like, okay, this there, there's there was a time before, like I'm gonna recant you with this. I there was a time before Marvel hit the scene when uh. Like, the idea of, like, blockbuster films and, 
like those those summer popcorny ty- type of experiences were kind of dedicated to finding something that you think could be like marketable or franchisable and like kind of going as far as you can with it for like a like the sake of an adventure or like like I, I'm reminded of like a Pirates of the Caribbean or like again God help me like this is just an example Van Helsing uh, not saying that it's good but like they tried it I it's this kind of reminds me of like okay this movie knows exactly what it's trying to do exactly what it's trying to be it's wearing its influences on its sleeve and it's not trying to be anything more than what it is and what it should be quite frankly i love it when a movie does that because it's it like i i would not call this the best movie of the year by far but like i respect it almost more than any movie that's come out this year because it knows exactly what it's trying to do and it ex- executes it like almost perfectly Right. This this to me was one of the most fun movies that I've seen in a very, very long time. And especially coming off of last week when we were doing Suspiria, this was a breath of fresh air for me. Um, One of the things that I know was a point of contention for people was when, you know, in the trailer, you see uh, this guy's face, uh, one of the Nazi guys, Waffner, you see his face is blown apart in the trailer. And everyone was saying, oh, God, CG, CG, CG. And at first I was like, oh, Jesus, they they just did a bunch of CG. What is this going to be? Nope. Not at all, man. Like, when you see it in the film, it doesn't... You're like, wait, is this practical? And yeah, it, it is practical. It's five hours that this dude had to sit in the chair every day, making it look like his face was blown apart and just giant holes in it. And it is absolutely... It's almost ter- it's one of these things that if this movie had come out in the 80s because it is 90 some percent practical effects and then just using CG as a digital touch up to just fix, you know, a couple of the seams this film would be consider- it would be heralded for having some of the best practical effects in in cinema. Oh, and and I think it's because again, I think um, there there are only a few real instances of this movie kind of going for broke when it comes to its practical effects, um, and a f- and there are a couple of moments of CG that are honestly well utilized. I'd say. Well, um, I don't. I you know which which ones do you think are though? I, I I'm referring to um, the like the transformation scene in the attic, where uh, like wh- where he injects him with the serum and like he just like his like bones sort of like contort outwards yep, and nope, like he that reco- was practical dude uh, but but again but like the like the like the veins getting coarse like it looked cg right but it was practical and animatronics oh man and that's that's looked- the crazy part is that stuff that who if you knew the year that certain films were made because i look back at, at some of these films that were made in the 80s and you're like wait how is that you know it's practical because it was during that time period, but it almost has a, a digital-type look to it as well. So now we're starting to blur the line, and this is a very weird time for us when it comes to these type of effects. Um, and then, holy crap, like, at the, one, of the end of, one of the ending scenes where um, a burnt-up Waffner is coming out, I looked at the facial, uh, you know, the mold of the face, because, you know... I was still judging at the time the practical versus CG, and I looked at the face and I'm like, holy shit, all of that's practical. And you could tell by the eyes, because you could see them move around. The first thing I thought was Cronenberg's The Fly, that ending scene. It was so 
good looking and I feel like there's so much stuff that pays homage to a lot of other films that opening scene of the plane burning like that whole thing was done practically it was done on a gimbal they blew out the front of the plane and stuntmen went through an actual fire like they really went all out with it but as I'm watching this and you see um what is it Boyce uh he's he's as he's going out of the plane and you're following him the whole th- the whole time I'm just thinking, dude, this is the opening of Evil Dead 2, and instead of Ash flying around the trees, it's this guy flying around during World War II. You know, just right, exactly. Like- and I, I think th- I think a lot of the strength that comes from this movie is again uh, knowing exactly what it's trying to do because I I, I wouldn't al- I would almost not call this a horror film like by the nature of what our podcast is about like no way no way dude this is is, is, well yeah but that that's okay so that's the same thing that's like somebody saying dog soldiers is just an action film but well sure no i like i like i put put this of an i put this an action film first and a subgenre of horror second well Uh, because i uh, I, you see that's that's where it's kind of weird i think it's just because of where it's set and how it is there are a lot of horrific elements in this and to me it is horror through and through it's just it's horror that has heavy amounts of action but i definitely feel like it's an call it action horror or horror action sure no and i would call it that i i I would absolutely call it that because it's it's a very uh, good i love the blend of it you know what i mean right and i think speaking of the blend i i want to kind of talk about and kind of praise this very exciting great young cast of all these these actors that are like full of this movie because we've seen a lot of these actors in like either minor or co-starring roles a lot in their careers and almost all of them are getting a chance to shine in this movie uh number one with a bullet uh is boys played by uh jovan apadio it, it he, like he's so good he's kind of a he's, he's kind of a newer actor though he is well. He was in like he was in Fences with uh, mm-hmm. Denzel Washington and sure, a couple yeah, of other yeah. things. But he's like, definitely like he's against... definitely like a younger actor when we're looking at uh, when we're looking at some of the names that are in here. Um, it's him and then Mathilde uh, Olivier. I don't know how to say her name. I yeah. really and then Wyatt Russell, that. who we've seen a bunch of times over before. Chloe. He's her name is Chloe. actually, but she and because she was only been in a handful of things. But Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, man, he's in he's in a ton of stuff. You know. And, oh yeah. Uh, but like, and but that's the thing. Like, we keep seeing him. Like, I, I keep seeing him at least in the corners of a couple of movies that I'd seen here and there, and then kind of him getting a lot of the spotlight in this movie as this kind of like, you know, do the right things the wrong way. Uh, yeah, commander. Uh, he, he's really good. Oh, he's he's great in this, and I actually like. Every time you think this movie is going to go in the traditional sense of a studio film, it it kind of detours, but not in a way that feels ham fisted. Like it's really just shoving it in your face. It all to me felt organic i had a lot of fun with where this film was going the entire time exactly and and of their no sorry okay but and in the moments of being over the top uh that the kind of that the film kind of needed to be um i i think it, it handles that sort of transition so perfectly because there are moments of like genuine like intrigue and like some drama with the group and their dynamics of like all right well We've got to be like we're we're held up in this uh, this like small house waiting to move on this tower, but like we don't know when is the right time. And now something moves us and propels us forward to go into this compound. And then the things that we see are absolutely insane and like 
like I, I described it in my head as I was watching it. And I'm like, this is some perfect mad scientist shit. Yeah, like, I mean, I've seen, see- I've seen other I've seen other people try to make these films. Uh, most of them are straight to DVD and whatnot, and it just doesn't work for one reason or another. They they just doesn't gel. It doesn't seem like they know enough about war, or they know enough about history in general or they know enough about horror sometimes uh sometimes these things are just thrown together together arbitrarily and most of the time they're just really boring and the one thing this movie is not is boring especially right from that opening title sequence where you're like holy shit this feels like a film that came out of the 1940s to a t with its title card sequence Oh, the Absolutely. title cards are great. I, I love retro title cards like that. Yeah, it's, it's it, super it had fun. like a propaganda feel to it, um, and I, I love that. And I like, even like that in the in the end sequence where you see just the different items. Oh yeah, it's in black and white and like undercut by like a Rocky Blues song. It's really good. Absolutely, and it's this. I know that there's some people who have been complaining about this film. That's fine. People can complain about it all they want to. I complained. I complain about a lot of films because there's a lot of stuff that I don't like. This one in particular I do because it reminded me of... So, like, the last film to really embrace a ton of practical stuff and go big with it was Starship Troopers, in my opinion. Like, 1997, it, it did it, you know it did a lot of digital stuff, but they had a bunch of people out there. It was the most, I think, at the time, uh, rounds shot in a movie that they used for bullets and stuff but it had this grandiose large-scale feel to it and this is almost the first time where i feel like they're getting back to that we don't have to spend a ridiculous amount of money on the budget but we can still give it this very large feel to it this is a 38 million dollar budget and i remember starship troopers not having the most grandiose budget in the world you know that's the thing i and and you 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 hit the nail right on the head this movie feels so much bigger than what it then its budget first of all but its actual like its scope feels in a way like heavier than yeah. this than a movie like this that I would have thought this movie It's so was simple though. Of. It's such a simple it's, plot it's line. Simple. It's it's almost like a I mean you're really in just one location for for well one area this town really for for the movie and god man I just some of the moments in here, some of the stuff that should be funny, like the, I mean, it's horrific. It's like gallows humor, like the landmine scene in the beginning. Um, because they play that out where, you know, something's kind of going to gonna happen, but it's just this casual conversation when it does. It was kind of actually going to be difficult for me to, like, we find it easy to kind of give praise and criticism to a movie that we think is genuinely great but a movie like this it is so simple and so effectively and efficiently done that it's almost hard to even give it that much praise because uh, I, I just I just can't help but nod my head I'm like yeah this moment kicked ass these these character beats worked effectively and purposefully the like it, this movie is no bullshit like getting to exactly what this movie is about to do like executes perfectly and then never overstays its welcome i i don't think there's any there's no fat on this movie there's no uh there's no wasted effort or wasted scenes or wasted talent or time uh, dude bokeem every... woodbine speaking of not wasted talent oh it's my a god short scene but bokeem woodbine in this 
is so good. That opening scene, I knew once, once, once that scene was happening, and then the gunfire's coming and people are just getting shot, and he's still kind of just giving his speech. Oh, so good. Oh, man. So, that, so good. That opening scene just, that, that opening scene kind of blew me away because you, you realize, like, this plane's getting shot up so much, but these people are still alive and the planes were still able to go for a significant amount of time and just watching all of this go down and just how calm he was in this just this stalwart like commander of just like we will get this job done we will yeah it's yeah, so, it's, so it, they're like we're gonna get the job done we're you know it's basically saying you're all gonna die but we're gonna get the job done oh and, it's, and an- oh man. another pr- another interesting praise that i have for this movie this is actually a bit of a like a problem that i had had only because of the theater that i was in so the subtitles for uh the film for some reason weren't on properly in my showing i didn't uh, have subtitles only- in mind for most of it so but here's the thing uh there are some moments that were that i know were subtitled because they seem to come on mid movie uh, for certain aspects of it, and I don't know why, but that was cert- that like that was the case. But- I feel like sometimes the I feel like in certain parts of the movie, at least when I I know on some there weren't subtitles, and then there were for other parts. Like right. Conversational okay, so- stuff didn't have like random conversational stuff didn't really have subtitles unless I guess it had significance to it. Exactly. And but the thing was like the way that those scenes were written, even like despite. Not knowing that language, the blocking and the acting was done so well that like I pretty much understood what was happening. Like, which perfectly. is probably why, which is probably why they didn't put subtitles for it because it's like, well, this is extraneous. Well, you know, people will will figure out what's going on by what's what's happening. Um, Again, and that's a testament to the no bullshit attitude about this movie. Where like it doesn't like if we can portray this effectively with our actors, we don't need to subtitle it. We don't need to either like make some sort of conceit that like X character knows this language or whatever. We'll just make we'll truncate those interactions to the most basic and uh, rawest part of what we need to convey in the scene. And it's clear that, like, this movie was made by very smart people and people that wanted to take their time in the things that counted. Uh, I, it, it's, again, like, I think I might respect this movie more than any other movie that came out this year, and I've liked movies more than this movie, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Um, what's, what's kind of upsetting is that when I first heard about this movie and saw the trailer, I, I thought to myself, all right, sure, okay, but I... Maybe the trailer is going to be the best thing about this film, and I'm going to be disappointed because, for the most part, uh, most studio films that have come out that I've seen that have had really good trailers, I've just been disappointed by, and I'm like, oh, wow, the trailer was the best thing about the film. No. Like, this movie is totally worth the price of admission and then some. I, I had a blast with it. Understand that, yeah, okay, there's a little bit of CG. That's for touch-ups. That's probably why these practical effects look so seamless is because they cover the seams, but you want it to look as real as possible. You want it to look as seamless as possible. That is the time where I understand that CGI should be used as a tool, not as the main vehicle, you know? And and that's exactly why I was kind of blown away by the look of this movie because, again, like the – the effects that you see on screen, like they you they make you really want to like look at them closer just to be like, how did they like how how does that look like that? Like how do you do that? 
because um, mainly that that facial prosthetic was ap- absolutely incredible. Like that, yeah, that l- actually was, that looked was, seamless. That was absolutely For, just. And that it was blew just and it was just a facial effect. It was literally just a facial effect, and I was like, "That's so detailed and so intricate. How like it makes you think that that person's jaw's gone." And so, it's not. so here's there's an interesting. Uh, I think. I think films in the 80s, even though they had these intricate effects that are actually as detailed as what you got in Overlord, they weren't showcased as much because they couldn't be showcased as much. If this film with that face shot came out in the 80s, it would ne- it would be NC-17. Which technically would, would have been possible back then because, and again, it, well, we it, had those... It, it was because it was... In particular, the one that I always remember, there's a there's a companion book for Nightmare on Elm Street called The Nightmare Never Ends. And it shows some shots from Nightmare on Elm Street 5 where Dan has been in the motorcycle accident, or, but it turns out, you know, it's the truck that he's in uh, because of the dream sequence. His throat is missing, and they show the actor standing up with the makeup, just, like, walking around. It looks like he has no throat. It looks like it is gone and a windpipe is just sticking there. And this is just from a, a set photo, behind-the-scenes photo. That's how good that makeup looked. It is possible, but that was never showcased in the film. You kind of see it in the background. Uh, but this is this is basically now saying, look, practical effects are amazing. They can be at the forefront of your film. Exactly. And, and not and when you can't really make the argument that it's that expensive, because, again, this movie is only $35 million. Yeah, uh, 35, 38. So it, I mean, it's, it, it's a low budget, but my, what's very disappointing is I, I think because of the idea people had of this film, the stigma behind it, whether it be Cloverfield or CG or whatever, uh, it did not perform how it should have at the box office. I feel like I feel like the idea of zombies and like maybe World War Two might be a little played out. I don't, but dude. I for some reason I don't see these as zombies. I I know people are all like, no, they're zombies. To me, it, they're more than zombies. They're cognizant, at least ones that get a certain way of what's going on. They break apart the way that the body deformed on itself reminds me more of the thing or splinter or something like that these to me don't feel like you know when i watch reanimator i don't really think of it as a zombie movie as much i just feel is it it, because it doesn't feel like that to me it feels like but the things the things that you gleam from that trailer are okay like if i were to just piece these small things together it looks like zombies okay they're nazis making zombies and they're just gonna kill the Nazi zombies. Like that's like to me, that's what I gleamed from this movie. And I'm just like, oh, so this just has some really cool looking effects. Like I didn't. That's all I thought it was going to be. Uh, turns out, like it's like the best possible version of that idea that I Dude, had. Dude, this should have come probably out. put. This should have come out when like Call of Duty, like zombie mode and stuff. Oh my was god! At its, if this came out at, at the zombie mode peak, like when people were gung ho all about that. Yeah, this movie based on its trailer, it would have it would have made a killing. We're talking, I mean, we're talking at least a thirty-five to forty million dollar opening weekend, so it at least could recoup some of its money right away, and then you know probably a hundred million in the U.S., maybe two hundred million worldwide or something. I, but they'd have I, a good I hit could on see sequels for this. I could think oh, of like dude, they've, at least they've set this, one or two. They set this up. This. They set this up for at least a sequel, possibly a trilogy. And this is where I just started thinking, no, this is Wolfenstein. You're just calling it Overlord, just because 
it would it would tarnish it to be a video game movie. <laughs> Honestly, like you could, but that's the thing. Like I I wouldn't want a Wolfenstein movie knowing that Overlord exists because I want more movies like Overlord and not just trying to make Wolfenstein. This is more fun that I could have ever had with a Wolfenstein movie. This is anything that like, I, I I like this more because they take things that they want to see and making it just a slightly different than their own. Like, you only think of, like, okay, castle, Nazis, zombies, then you get Wolfenstein. This is something more fun. This is more B-movie. This is more... Uh, well, I mean, even even that, like, when you, had, when you had, like, Return to Castle Wolfenstein back in the early 2000s, it was about genetic experiments, and it was about, you know, making his super army, and that's, that's what this is. And I know yeah. other people have tried doing it many, many a times, um, but man, this, this was really, really good. This I think is the pinnacle of it. I know a lot of people are going to say, no, Rob, you're wrong. Well, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I think you're wrong. I, so, th- I think you might. Okay. We're, we're engaging in our Twitter fingers a little bit on the podcast right now. I think we can, I think we can take a step back. We can, yeah, we, we can yeah. say that we're all, we're all fans. We're all fine here. We appreciate all of the input and the follows. For, oh no. I mean, look, everybody has opinions. No, get. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, everybody has opinions on films and that's totally legit. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I don't want people getting into a flame war over this, ripping on it, saying it's the worst thing they've ever seen. Because if this is the worst thing you've ever seen, you've seen nothing. You've seen nothing. <laughs> this must be, you must I have th- seen two movies, and, and one of them must have been, you know, some Oscar caliber film. Um, I, but this, yeah. Yeah, uh, we didn't really spoil a ton of this movie. There's no need to spoil a ton of this movie. Because it's so good. But frankly, you just I don't think there's it. much to spoil. I think it's more of just like again, I have to shrug I shrug my shoulders and I'm just like, yeah, this movie kicks ass. Like the acting is great. The cast is young and excitable and full of talent. The script is tight as a drum. The effects are amazing. Uh and it's not too long. <laughs> like it's oh, no, it is it's, a it's, perfect it is yeah, a man, perfectly tight movie. I, I, I don't think I have anything bad to say about it. Like I think I would only like for some reason I I feel a, a lack of overt praise because this isn't going to win an Oscar. Uh, but it no, probably but it, it should for some me, sort of makeup effects. It's like a fun '80s movie, man. Like that's yeah. what this is. This is the epitome of a fun '80s movie that you can definitely tell that Abrams, as a producer, is hearkening on his like Spielbergian influences. Oh yeah, we could tell that he's clearly a fan of movies that were like this, and I'm and I, I'm so glad that he only had his hand in probably the money and the talent acquisition. <laughs> Hopefully, it was. It's well, I so, mean, this was one of the scripts so he good. ended up picking up. This script was around there. It was by Billy Ray and Mark Smith, and he ended up picking it up uh, out of a whole pile of other scripts that he was going to make something completely. I think I don't know some other type thing where I was like, really? Is this what you're going to do? By the uh, way, damn then, fine directing job from Julius Avery. By, yeah, by the man. way, like, we didn't really even talk about it. Like this, he's, he is, he is swinging his weight here. Like it's yeah. really, really good. And he well, hasn't and that even was, really done that much stuff. Well, and that was the thing why they did this, why they did practical effects. And this was something he was pushing for this and why he wanted to do it was, was he wanted to get honest reactions from his actors and you get honest reactions from actors when they're seeing what they're supposed to see in front of them. And I think that's the mark of a fantastic director. And I'm excited to see what he does next. It's it's nothing but good things for this one. I uh, yeah, I, I think that we, and that's pretty much where we can we can end it for yeah. for this one. See this movie, give this movie some money because my God, uh, very much worth your time. Absolutely, it's definitely going to be a cult classic. Um, but go see it, go see it immediately, please. <laughs>
support Absolutely. support good film, you know. So that is going to do it for us here at Oh the Horror. Uh, yep. Feel free to uh, give us a like on all those socials and uh, subscribe to uh, the thing. Oh my god, I sound like a YouTuber. I'm going to start that over again. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. Feel free to review us on iTunes wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate your feedback. You can talk with us on Twitter. We could also be very nice on Twitter. Feel free to engage with us. We're not all grumpy. Uh, we can uh, also be found on Instagram and Facebook as well at ohthehorrorcast at gmail.com is our email and ohthehorrorcast.com is our official website that you could be finding some more stuff about us there. So yep. what and do then, we have uh, in the pipeline next week? Yeah, so we're going to start doing some some films a little more classic. We are hitting the 30th anniversary of Beetlejuice, so we are... We're gonna we're gonna watch Beetlejuice and, and talk God, about it. Goddamn right. Goddamn right. Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm really excited about talking about this one. This is one of my favorites. It really is. Every time I watch it, I, I get more I just love it more and more. So we're gonna be talking about that next time. Um, but in the meantime, go see Overlord immediately. Yes, go see Overlord immediately. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead 